What's up, Mzanzi? Welcome to episode 317 of Farmers Inside Jack. I'm your host, Octavius Bandil. Now, sorghum is an indigenous grain to Africa, and although its uses and commercial demands may evolve with time, it will always be a basic staple diet for many rural people. In this episode, Sapiwe Situlo, founder of African Marmalade, a 100% African female-owned business, established in 2015 with a focus to grow African indigenous crops and produce seeds. She is more about sorghum cultivation and all you need to know. Sapiwe, welcome to Farmers Inside Jack. It is so great to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. Now we are discussing sorghum production. So in the context of Mzanzi, how prevalent is sorghum production? Sorghum is quite prevalent in some of the provinces, not in the entire country. So Mpumalanga is the leading province in terms of sorghum production, followed by the Mpopo. Then we have provinces like KZN and Northwest that are growing and the Free State as well. But the production in Gauteng is very, very limited. In terms of tonnage as a country, as of 2022, our production level was just sitting below 140,000 per annum. That's very interesting. You have mentioned where ideally is the best place to grow sorghum and the provinces. So you mentioned Limpopo, Mpumalanga and KZN. Are those the only three provinces in South Africa or the other provinces as well? And not the answer of Northwest and the Free State. And how are they going with their production? They're doing well. So Mpumalanga accounts for about 30% of the sorghum that South Africa grows and then followed by Limpopo. Obviously, sorghum prefers the warmer regions. That is why then we're seeing the warmer provinces kind of growing and sorghum and obviously some parts of the free state. Sorghum is a warm climate kind of a crop and it can tolerate different types of soil and even lower water. So that is why then I think those provinces that tend to be actually very dry. Because if you think about Northwest as well as the generally very dry regions, but when you go to some parts of the, of the province. So that is why then those regions have growing sorghum and it is part of their staple in any event. Houghton grows very little sorghum, even though it's got the highest number of people. You've mentioned briefly about the climatic conditions. Can you maybe expand on the type of climatic conditions sorghum should grow in and what is the best for the production? So when you look at sorghum, it is generally planted from about mid-October up until, say, mid-December. That is the best time to grow. And you can see, obviously, by that time, that's when you are kind of getting to mid-spring and getting to beginning of like kind of summer. And that is when you actually need to be growing that. And it requires like your clay soil where some of the sorghum could actually grow. And sorghum can tolerate low water not the kind of an environment. So if it rains too much, unlike the other grains, if you think of maize and other grains, they really don't tolerate waterlogged kind of a situation. But sorghum does and can grow it in the clay soil. And then you're looking at when to plant it and the yield, how viable and how sustainable this whole stuff is. It definitely wants a warmer climate. It will not grow in urban frost areas. Hence, you don't see that much sorghum being grown in provinces like the Western Cape. And also it will not tolerate certain climatic conditions. So definitely our rural provinces, they are the ones that have traditionally grown sorghum and they would continue to do so because the climate allows that. And you maybe give a little bit of just an example of how the water requirement is structured, how much water is actually needed 
with sorghum is that it can thrive in an environment where you can get anything from 400 millimeters up to 800 millimeters per annum. That would be the range you're looking at. So even you get very little rain, it will still be suitable because of the root structure of sorghum, how it actually able to spread itself and still be able to draw a little bit of water that sustains the crop. That is why. So it will survive in low rain kind of an environment, unlike many other crops that really require quite a lot. That's why we're saying that it is a drought resistant. So it is a climate smart crop that we can grow as we are being faced with this kind of climatic conditions and changing weather patterns where we either get very little rain and then we get too much rain and we also get excessive heat. So sorghum is just one of those crops that would easily thrive and actually gives you a good yield even in a bad year. So we've spoken a little bit about climate conditions and a little bit about the water requirements. Can you maybe expand a little bit more in depth on the soil requirements? So what you're looking at is that, so sorghum doesn't like sandy soil. It would grow, but it will not uh, perform as good as when it's in a clay soil. A lot of people in there, when you look into their soil analysis, they do have got a certain percentage. So soil-wise, you are looking at something that is going to give you a 10 to 30% clay soil. So if you've got a 10 to 30% clay soil, you are okay. So when it's important then for people to look in terms of the uh, soil analysis, what does it say? Grow it in your clay soil. Even if your water does not retain, your soil does not retain that much water, you will still be okay. It is important, but generally, sorghum will thrive in areas where many crops would actually fail. So it is a climate smart kind of a crop that is easily adaptable to various types of soil conditions. Let's dive into the market. What does the market yeah. look like for sorghum in Mzanzi? And perhaps share with us some of the main buyers of sorghum. So when you look in terms of the sorghum market, traditionally, it would have been used mainly for brewing your home beer. It is used as a staple in some of the provinces where people are doing pop, be it fermented or not fermented, and also used in like your bacheos and people who drink sorghum. It has always been kind of stereotyped as something that is you only consume in traditional gathering. So it, some of the people did not pull it as they moved into the urban areas to make it as part and parcel of their everyday diet. But what has happened is that over the years, we've seen an increase in terms of the sorghum market. One, by people realizing that sorghum is just as good as grains like quinoa or whatever other grains that might be there. One, because it's gluten-free. So the increase or the rise of people or consumers that are gluten intolerant has made them to look at what other grains they can eat because the other grains are not indigenous to the continent and they also come very expensive. So I think the rise of the health conscious and people really having to have certain health consideration about what they eat, what they consume, has really helped to actually grow the sorghum demand in the country. So me personally and a few other people the main buyers of sorghum has been the culinary industry. So when you look at the chefs, you know, who suddenly think, oh, let's use whole grain. So we don't necessarily need to actually crush the thing into a meal and then cook it as a pub. So the chefs have actually been using sorghum as a whole grain and people are loving it. They say it's actually better than the other grains and the other people being able to pelt it. So you take out to the outer, outer part of the thing and you have got this beautiful powder kind of a grain. So you're cooking it almost like you're doing your couscous. And people are really loving that and enjoying that it's being incorporated into salads. We're also seeing the rise in the demand for healthier options, for convenient food, your lunches. 
So people are making meals that are ready kind of to eat. And I've seen an increase in terms of the customers that are buying. So we have been selling, Sogam and I know other people have been selling to the culinary space. They have been the biggest consumers or buyers of Sogam. And that is great because who decides what people eat in this country? It is the people within the culinary space. You go in the restaurant, you're going into a hotel, you know, you're going to order a meal. And these guys are the ones that are making those decisions. We're also seeing an increase in the confectionery or baking industry where people are looking for much more healthier flowers. People saying, I'm gluten intolerant or I want stuff that is diabetic friendly. And because sorghum being high in protein and it's high in things such as in areas such as magnesium and iron, that is really been driving the demand. So when you dial up the health benefits to people, it's just a no-brainer that people would embrace sorghum compared to any other grain out there or flower for that matter. That is quite informative. I agree with you when you said that who are the best people who are making decisions regarding our food, which is in the culinary industry. And I think learning about what you are putting in your food is also important and understanding the health benefits when it comes to a certain kind of crop is also important. So I definitely think it's an advantage to understand where sorghum comes from, how it's grown, and also the advantage to your health. My final question is, what is your advice to someone who's interested in becoming a sorghum farmer? They must not be deterred by people who talk about, oh, no, if you grow sorghum, you're going to be going for the beds. That has been one negative thing that people have pulled each time somebody wants to consider sorghum. I would say, go for it. And the nice thing with sorghum is that you can intercrop it with other plants. So you keep doing sorghum and you can add other crops, be it the spuds, any of the stuff that would creep. You can also have good beans, which are also going to help to actually add nutrients into your soil. So it really it is a versatile kind of a crop, very adaptable and easy to grow. So you can do it with other crops and it's not going to be that. It's a low maintenance crop. So if you could figure out the issue of how to actually plant enough, that there is also enough for nature. And if people say, no, there's beds, I always say that I don't think there are more beds than we had maybe in the 1940s or 50s or 60s. But what has happened is that there's fewer people who are growing food that is good for nature. So the birds are definitely going to be coming to your space because everywhere they look, they can't find the good food. But if you could also just scatter your sorghum on the side and allow the birds to obviously have something to eat as well, they're going to help you with cross-pollination of some of your plants and all sorts of other things. So it is definitely a crop for the future. It is drought resilient. You're looking at something that you are assured that you're going to have something. It's definitely this one. Price-wise as well, sorghum is doing far better than most of the grain. It is something that is can cushion a farmer in these trying times where there's a high likelihood of crop failure and also fluctuating uh, market or commodity prices. Thanks so much, Sophie Setulo. For more on the topic, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za. And this week, we celebrate hashtag soil sister Fumzile Shufaniza. Networking is a major key player for successful business. And this soul sister walked away from the corporate world in 2019 with a great foundation of knowing people and learning what she needed to kick off her journey. We play within the processing space because of the peanut butter, but we're mostly because we source and we supply. We're in the distribution aspect of agriculture, so we're agri-distributors. Forging and cementing our space within the sector is a challenge because of the high cost of logistics. And we rely quite a lot because we're still quite small. 
outsourcing trucks, refrigerated trucks specifically, which is an expensive form of trucks. The high cost of logistics for us has been the biggest challenge to such an point where I've had to even let go of some of business opportunities because of the high cost of logistics that takes a chunk of profits. So not owning our own resources is one of the biggest challenges and which is why I really felt that I wanted us to identify commodities and products that we can own in-house so as to eliminate some of the factors that sometimes come along that are outside of our control when it comes to outsourcing. Pumzele Shufanis is one of the phenomenal women selected to participate in the 2023 Hashtag Sister program. Catch a full interview on www.foodformzanzi.co.za and on Foodformzanzi's YouTube channel. And that's a wrap. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. From me, Octavius Pandeo, our technical producer, Megan van der Fien, and the rest of the hashtag Foodformzanzi. Thanks for listening. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.